Hello, it's Clive Takal, another edition of the Health Revolution. And once again, I'm joined by the fabulous dentist, Dirk Jacobson. And I've learned so much over the last couple of years from Dirk. And um, he's going to explain a little bit about uh, what, he, what he's doing and an incredible product, which I've been using now for I don't know, nine months or something. And I found it really great. I, every time I put this product into my mouth after I've brushed my teeth, I somehow feel assured that I've done the right thing. It's just a feeling, and it also tastes fantastic, the, the opposite from the, the, the dental poisons that most people are using. Um, yeah. yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for your kind words and for the introduction, Clive. I'm uh, really excited to be here uh, because I look. Uh, I have a career being in dentistry that stretches back more than 33 years now. And then on top of that, I was studying. So I'm almost 40 years in that sort of business. And I, I don't get tired of talking about dental stuff. And I really enjoy that. That's why I'm quite excited to have uh, the opportunity to speak to your audience, who's quite open to more holistic viewpoints and and health and dentistry as well and uh, see in in dentistry there's there's always this mystique about particular and uh, dental problems many people and it's so on the forefront of everyone's mind because it affects everyone so if you're in the grocery store or whatever you i maybe it's just me because i'm a dentist but i always pick up people talking about their latest dental appointment or their brother has a problem or whatever it is so it is uh, something that is very very important for people but there's so many misconceptions out there especially when it comes to more alternative views of dentistry and uh, i'm happy to talk about that and uh, there's one thing if we have the opportunity today to talk about one particular problem that affects almost every one of us, up to 90% of us, uh, are somehow afflicted by gum disease. And see, that there are two big problems in dentistry that most dentists are dealing with most of the time. Probably 95% of dentists are, uh, of the problems that present are the consequences of two problems only. There's a hole in a tooth, so that's called dental caries. So if you have a hole in a tooth, what happens is that the hole gets damaged from the outside and the hole is working its way to the inside of the tooth. The dentist comes along, drills it out, puts a restoration of filling into the tooth. And when it gets really bad, then the decay reaches the inside of the tooth, which is the nerve and the pain starts. And once the nerve is involved inside the tooth, then, then there are really only two options that is pulling out the tooth or root canal. And root canals has its own problems. So that's one form of disease that's called dental decay. But the other big thing is called gum disease. And it affects probably up to 90% over the age of 30 have problems with that sort of stuff. But nobody really knows what this is about uh, or there are so many misconceptions. See, many people, they go to the dentist and the dentist comes along and says, oh, you know, puts the probe into the gums and there might be some bleeding and 
then the diagnosis comes gum disease. And it has this threatening effect, but nobody really knows what's going on. And that's what I would like to tackle today because that also leads us into the, the wonderful product that we are uh, that we produced together with uh, Phoenix Aurelius, and you had him on the on on your show as well. And we had this cooperation, Phoenix and I and Laura, my wife, uh, to bring something on the market that is doesn't tackle uh, the mouth in a way where conventional dentistry, which follows germ theory, uh, is trying to come up with a culprit who's causing gum disease, and that is a bacteria or a combination of bacteria. So conventional dentistry, the way that they try to tackle gum disease is to kill the bacteria. And they use really, you mentioned that, strong chemicals and mouthwash and toothpaste. And we are just moving completely away from that. But, and, and this is also very, very beneficial for people who are diagnosed with gum disease. So. If I can just share the screen now, if that's okay, Clive. So let me just do that now. And then we can talk a little bit about gum disease and what that actually means. Post disabled. I think you need to make it okay for me to share the screen. because I get the note post disabled participant screen sharing. And now I can't hear you. It, it should work now. Should work now. Okay, I try again. Yeah, I think it does. Yes. Excellent. So, can you see the screen? Can yeah, the most common slide? dental problems. Yes. So, I talked about that. So, we've got caries, which is dental decay, and then there's gum disease. Uh, now, gum disease, so far in dentistry, uh, it was dealt as a localized problem. So, the gums were infected and there are procedures happening in the gum, they are pretty localized. But over the last few decades, we now know that this is more a systemic problem with gum disease. And I will get into that. So here you can see healthy gums and gum disease. You can clearly see uh, that the healthy gums, they show uh, a nice pale and pink appearance. While gum disease, uh, it's quite swollen and looks a bit angry. Now, it doesn't have to look that way, but gum disease affects two things locally, and that is the gums, but also the bone underneath. And now let's have a look at the bone. So this is a skull, and you can see that the roots of our teeth, they are firmly anchored in the jawbone. And there's those teeth where you see the roots, there's where the, the bone plate has broken off of this uh, skeleton. And you can see how long the roots are and how strongly they are anchored in the bone. Now, here's another picture. But in this picture, you can see that the roots are 
almost half the length visible. And that is because the gums, they have receded. The bones have receded. So the bones were covering uh, these roots way higher up originally. But this is the problem with gum disease is it's called gum disease, but the bone underneath the gums, they are receding. And suddenly there's less bone uh, that holds the teeth in place. So on, uh, on this picture, you can see on the left-hand side, we can see the gum disease and on the right-hand side is the healthy side. And if we look at the bone levels on the healthy side, they go all the way up to the neck of the tooth and then they are covered by gums. But when there's gum disease, then the gums are really swollen and the bone level is reduced. And this is the problem with gum disease that the bone levels, they recede bit by bit. And on an X-ray, it looks like this. On the right, we see the healthy gums. And on the left, we see gum disease. And uh, I just marked the level of the bone. So on the healthy side, the red arrows, they point all the way up, the whole roots of those teeth, they are covered in bone. While when there's gum disease, we can see that the bone level has dropped tremendously. And see the yellow line that I put in here marks the level of the bone of this person where the bone level has dropped. And the turquoise line shows where the bone level was originally. And between the line, and this is uh, what gum disease is called, uh, doing, the bone is lost. So, but when we, and here's another example. On the right side, we'd see the healthy bone levels all the way up to the neck of the tooth. And on the gum disease size, we can see that probably 70% of the bone is gone. And this is the level of the bone. And this is where the expression long in the tooth comes from. Because what you see here is a person who has lost a lot of bone and the gums have followed. And that's why there's so much visible suddenly of the root because of the bone lost underneath the gums. So that's what's happening when gum disease is happening. Now, what is the dentist doing in a case like this? You can see... Uh, Maybe you remember that yourself, uh, Clive, when the dentist comes along and he has this specialized probe. Uh, and that looks like a zebra. It, it comes in three millimeter increments. And then he puts it into the pocket of the tooth. And the deeper the pocket, the deeper this probe disappears into the pocket. And then the dentist or the hygienist, they shout out two millimeter, five millimeter or whatever. So when they shout out a shallow, uh, a low number like two millimeter or three millimeter, that's good, that's great. But if it goes above three, four, five, six, can it be, be even 10 millimeters, then there is a problem that the bone is lost because the tip of the probe uh, hits the bone at a certain level. And the more bone loss there is, the deeper the probe disappears. Now, there are two terms, gingivitis and periodontitis. And they are, this is what gum disease is called. Sometimes it's called gingivitis and periodontitis. 
And there's a huge difference between those two things. And I want to explain that. So here from left to right, from one to five, you can see the progression of gum disease. So we start out with number one, that's the healthy gum. And you see that the probe uh, doesn't go deep into the, into the pocket because the bone is there. It doesn't go any deeper because the bone levels are really good and healthy. With gingivitis, the bone levels are still healthy, but the gums are a little bit swollen and infected. If we go further on to periodontitis, mild periodontitis, this is where you, we can see that the level of the bone is suddenly dropping and the probe dips deeper into the pocket. And also what you see here is there is some tartar and calculus building up on the root surface. And when we have moderate, it goes deeper, number four, then the probe disappears deeper, the bone level drops even more, and it can get to the severe periodontitis where you can see all the buildup, the tartar or the calculus on the tooth surface, the gums are really swollen, and then the bone level drops, drops even further. So again, healthy gums is very shallow pocket on probing. There's no bone loss and there's a tight fit. So I don't know if uh, the, the, the gums, sit around the tooth, the neck of the tooth, like a very tight fit, like a turtleneck, yeah? And nothing gets in there. So this is uh, very tight. But when, when we start to develop gum disease, then this tight turtleneck fit around the neck of the tooth gets a little bit swollen and it loosens. And suddenly things get into the pocket. And, uh, that's when the problems start with bleeding and stuff like that. And it can end up with a very deep pocket, like in this case, that's 12 millimeter deep. Millimeter deep. So the bone loss is probably up to 50% at that point. And then the whole micro environment within the pocket changes. The bacteria change, they turn somehow pathogenic uh, and destructive. And the calculus and tartar is somehow hidden in the deep pocket. And nothing can remove that anymore. So you can use the toothbrush, but the toothbrush doesn't get there anymore. Or if you oil pull or mouthwash or whatever you're doing, nothing gets into the pocket anymore because it's so closed up. And this is a kind of a micro environment where, uh, where, where things can literally uh, faster and it's undisturbed and then they put these bacteria the microorganisms in those pockets they can do their dirty business uh, undisturbed produce toxins and that keeps this process going that's the problem with gum disease so what are the symptoms so we have bleeding that's the most important symptom uh, when you brush your teeth for example the, the, the gums can be looking swollen and there is bone loss. Some people have bone loss so that they appear a little bit long in the tooth. And teeth can become loose because literally the foundation, the bone is eroding away and the bone holds the roots of our teeth. So, and, and 
okay, this is another picture where we develop the pocket and we can see the Tata calculus building up here and that keeps the infection going. Now, we, we have to look at the, the blue box there um, because I marked the calculus uh, brownish. Normally, we don't see this uh, build up in an x-ray, but there's quite some build up and this sits under the gums. So the gums are covering it. Uh, and this is, is what it appears on the x-ray. And this is a patient of mine. This is what I see almost on a daily basis. Yeah, We see when, when people come for a routine checkup uh, and then they have calculus build up and it's mostly on the inside uh, on the bottom teeth. And you can see this yellow collar of tartar that sits around the inside and it's really literally pushing the gums downwards. So it builds up layer by layer by layer and that when we remove this, so I did this on the on those teeth here. I left the, the, the calculus here just for demonstration purposes. And underneath the tartar, suddenly we see the, the uh, gums appearing. And they look a bit angry, but and now they have the chance to heal and they have the chance to breathe. And this is the first step for them to, to heal. But as I said, this, this tartar buildup that can slip into the deep pockets. And then we have that, this is a computer image where they just computer wise took the gums away. And that sort of stuff uh, is really glued to the tooth surface and it's not removed easily. That's why the dentist comes with, a, with, with some instruments to remove it. It's a bit like if you imagine uh, like a, milk if you've got it burned on the pot uh, that really also uh, glues somehow to the bottom of the pot and it doesn't come off easily so i talked a little bit now about the localized effect so this is actually what happens around the gums and the tooth itself but we now know that there's also systemic problems developing with gum disease and um we can imagine in the deep pocket here, the tissue around here, that's the that's a way for bacteria to wash into the system. So this demonstrates the buildup and uh, this tissue here, it's a bit like the oral mucosa, which is, if you imagine the, the uh, GI tract starting at the mouth and ending up at the end uh, where we poo, that's the gastrointestinal tract. And the mucosa covering it uh, is very delicate. It's a one layer epithelium. And now with gum disease, we are talking, you, everybody knows about the expression leaky gut. And leaky gut describes something where uh, there's a problem with the gut lining where toxins and bacteria can penetrate through the gut lining into the system, into the blood vessels. And that's a big problem. And that's, you know, Crohn's disease or uh, all these uh, intestinal problems that are developing are related to uh, some leaky gut. And now we're coming up with the expression leaky mouth because the principle is the same. 
So you've got this epithelial layer and they normally in the gut as well as in the mouth in this layer here. So this is similar to what's happening in the gut. And there's normally a very tight junction between these cells, the lining of the gut, the lining of the pockets in uh, our mouth. And when they are inflamed, what happens is that toxins can get through there into the blood vessels underneath. And from there, they can wash into the system uh, via the bloodstream because it's all connected. The, the bloodstream around our mouth, around our teeth, the same blood flows all over the all, uh, all over our body uh, into the, the whole system and what happens is that what what leaks into our oral mucosa can leak into the bloodstream and settle on distant organs and this is what people describe as a focal infection problem when germs and toxins from one part of the body and in this case it's the mouth move to other parts of the body and the thing is, it's, it's quite intense what happens because most common chronic inflammation causing focal infections are dental-based. So that's where most of the focal infection originate from. Based, that's, that's how important it is with the mouth because 90% of systemic diseases somehow, they have a representation in the mouth. And because we live in an age where everything is so compartmentalized that there's a doctor for the kidney, for the skin, for the liver, for, for the nerves, for the brain, for the psyche, and there's a doctor for the teeth, and that's what I am. But they are not talking to each other. So we, uh, we need to see take this into account now. There's a problem that is interrelated. And... Uh, If we imagine, if there's bleeding in the gums, there, there is inflammation. Uh, the gums shouldn't bleed generally. Even if you brush your teeth or use floss or anything like that, they shouldn't bleed. But the moment they bleed, they can wash toxins or bacteria into the system. And once they are in the system, we now know that there is a mouth-body connection uh, with gum disease that is related to all these problems uh, like Alzheimer's, dementia, respiratory disease, obesity, cancer, osteoporosis. There's a higher incidence for, so like for example, people with gum disease are three times as likely to die from a stroke, or they are twice as likely to die from heart uh, attack. So this is a serious problem and diabetes is related to that, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, so we have a systemic problem which represents somehow in the mouth when we when there's gum disease. It's not just localized. Now, what is the treatment? What are we doing? Uh, and here we we need to look at what conventional dentistry is doing and what what might be a different approach because we are coming back to the to the old uh, thing of germ theory versus terrain theory. Now, dentistry is operating on germ theory. And germ theory, what that implies for dentistry is that they are looking for particular microorganisms and bad bacteria that are causing 
tooth decay and gum disease. So they are getting more and more tricky with finding out what they look like under the microscope and stuff like that. And uh, this is the paradigm. And it's so strong, this paradigm, that all the treatment modalities for gum disease and tooth decay are somehow uh, centered around this theory. What that means is that if you, for example, have gum disease, uh, the, the idea is to kill the germs that are causing gum disease. Now we know already that this is, this is a representation of a much bigger problem than just a few bacteria going havoc in, in the gums. But this is what's happening. So if there's gum disease, what's the dentist? If there's severe gum disease, you, you get transferred to a periodontist who's a specialized gum, uh, gum disease specialist, and they are dealing with the problem. What they are doing is they tackle it from two sides. One is that they remove with these instruments, so their hand instruments, it looks a bit brutal, but uh, they remove the pata, the calculus, with hand instruments, or on the right, you see an ultrasonic scalar. But they also have to get deep under the gums to do that, because this stuff is really tenacious. It glues tightly, so that needs to be removed. That is one way that uh, conventional dentistry is tackling it. And then if it's really severe, they might prescribe some antibiotics or what is not in every case, but sometimes if the dentist feels it's a severe gum disease, we need to tackle it also micro uh, with antibiotics, kill the germs that are causing this. Or of course with mouthwash, and we know now that uh, mouthwash are containing lots of toxins. So we've got conventional toothpaste and conventional mouthwash, and they contain uh, a cocktail of toxins. Fluoride, for example, which is a neurotoxin, or triclosane, which is actually a pesticide. Sodium lauryl sulfate, which is, I mean, it's a detergent that is used to clean industrial toilets, for example. Yeah, but it, it really doesn't have a place in the mouth. We have, I mean, there's a whole list. You can read the list. There are parabens, which are endocrine disruptors, aspartame, alcohol. There's alcohol in mouthwash, for example, which is drying out the mouth, which is so counterproductive. Yeah, You don't want to dry out the mouth. You want the saliva to flow. Anyway, formaldehyde, that's to fix somehow dead tissue. So it's, it's really a bit of a horror show. Uh, if I get one thing across, don't use that sort of stuff. And anyway, it's a big business. It's a $30 billion annual uh, business for those pharmaceutical companies. And all the big players are involved. Johnson & Johnson, Galaxo, welcome on. All these big players, they rake it in. And they want to keep this business, of course, they want to keep it going. And uh, they really don't want that paradigm of germ theory and killing germs to be threatened somehow and we are all somehow at least i am and everybody i know is that mouthwash and toothpaste they need to have this strong flavor i remember you know like in the 90s or whenever it was 
there was this TV commercial with Listerine and someone took it, switched the mouse and suddenly the mouse was boom, exploding. And everybody had the idea, well, now it's really nice and clean and the breath is fresh and stuff like that. But basically what they are doing is they are nuking uh, completely what's going on in the mouth. They kill whatever's in the way. They might kill some so-called quote unquote bad guys, bad bacteria, but there's a lot of collateral damage. And uh, now we have to talk about the oral microbiome because the oral microbiome is what keeps our mouth alive and healthy. And our microbiome, it consists of probably about 700, now they found out about 770, and we are still counting different microorganisms, uh, bacteria in the mouth. Now, they live all in a nice synergy, in a nice balance together, in a healthy community. And there are all sorts of uh, bacteria. And when they identify the quote-unquote pathogens, the bad guys that are causing all these problems with gum disease or with tooth decay, they normally live in a well-balanced oral microbiome. So they are normal bacteria and they don't cause any harm because there are so many bacteria. And as I said, they keep each other in check and they live nicely together. And this oral microbiome is intimately linked to all the other microbiomes in the body. So there's a microbiome for the lungs, for, uh, for the nose, on our skin, there's a microbiome, and of course, in the gut and in our sexual organs. Uh, so these microbiomes, they, they all work nicely together and they mingle together and uh, they are dependent on each other. Just to give you some numbers, what the microbiome in our body is like. There are 10 to 100 trillion uh, symbiotic microbial cells harbored in by each body. And what that means is that we as human beings, there is 10 times more, this is what's expressed here, there are 10 times more organisms within us, in our microbiome, than human cells itself. So what that means is that we as humans are some, uh, we are a combination of outside cells 10 times more than us itself. And uh, they all, it's a kind of a super organism. It's a composite of human and microbial cells. And uh, as I mentioned, there are all these different microbiomes. And the oral microbiome, sorry, and it, there's a symbiotic relationship between us, we are the host, and the microbiome all the bacteria. Now the oral microbiome has a very central role to play in this. Because, see, it's a bit like this. If you imagine a river and at the mouth of this river, that's the entrance, that's the mouth microbiome, uh, the river is feeding everything downstream. So uh, when we swallow, then we swallow billions of bacteria and they somehow mingle with our gut microbiome. When we breathe, then we aspirate 
microorganisms that mingle then that go into the lungs or they can get into uh, the bloodstream as well. Normally they don't get into the bloodstream, but for, if there's a little bit of gang bleeding, then they get into the bloodstream as well. Uh, so this is important to know. This, is, uh, this just demonstrate how important the oral microbiome is, because if we mess up the oral microbiome, then everything down track is kind of out of balance already. And if we use, if we nuke the oral microbiome with chemical warfare, with chemicals in mouthwash or toothpaste, it has an impact on everything else downstream. Uh, but as I said, we need to understand that bacteria in our mouth, they are neither good or bad. Uh, although, they can behave good or bad, depending on the terrain. And now we're coming to the different model, which is terrain theory. And it, of course, applies also to dentistry. Because these bacteria that conventional dentistry is so badly trying to kill, they are normally not bad. But if you change the environment, for example, if you eat bad food, yeah, if you eat sugary food, for example, what happens is, uh, that some bacteria, they take over, causing these problems. And it's not just that they, they, they cause suddenly these problems by uh, taking everything out of balance. And now I just named the two big players for gum disease. Streptococcus mutans is for tooth decay and uh, P. gingivalis is causing gum disease. But they are totally benign in a balanced microorganism, in a, a balanced microbiome. So uh, we have, what's happening is that the microbiome gets out of balance and it's getting into from, uh, it's getting into dysbiosis and it's caused by harmful oral care products by diet high in refined carbohydrates and sugar, that's when we get out of balance, by low pH in the mouth when we eat too much acidic foods, stress, stress is a big, big one. Uh, emotions are, uh, have a big role to play in our overall health and therefore also in the health of our microbiome and the dry mouth. So what happens is that on the top, we can see that the good healthy state is homeostasis, where we have a balanced diversity in the microbiome. And in dysbiosis, there's an imbalance. And what happens in uh, dysbiosis is that on the left, we can see there's a decrease in beneficial microbes. And the bad guys, and I come to that in a minute, they take over and the diversity is diminished but the bad guys it's i have to say that quote unquote because they change their appearance they they change their biological activity so they are turning from normal guys in a bad environment due to pleomorphism where they change their biological activity and then they turn nasty when they get the right environment for example in these deep pockets that I demonstrated earlier. That's when they, they are anaerobic and 
then they uh, have an environment where they turn nasty. It's a bit like this. Uh, so when you have a, a party and you give everyone alcohol and some people can't handle the alcohol and they take over and they, they, they spoil the party and the good guys at that point have left the party already. So kind of that might be a nice analogy. Now, the interesting thing is that the oral microbiome of ancient people has completely, uh, compared to today, has changed. And it's related to the diet that we are eating. So the hunter-gatherers, they had a much more balanced diet and they had a much more diverse uh, community in our microbiome. They had more bacteria. Everything was more balanced. But with the uh, with the industrial revolution or with the agricultural revolution way before that has changed and because our diet has changed the microbiome has changed and that's why we're in so much trouble today well uh, so let me just keep going what what do we need to do now uh, with the therapy I mentioned conventional dentistry, what they are doing, that they are tr trying to kill all the germs. What, what I think uh, is a much more holistic approach is that we get uh, the oral microbiome into balance. Uh, we still need, the, the problem is with this buildup is that if we don't remove that, uh, we even the most holistic approach will need to remove the calculus because that's a constant irritant and it doesn't go away if we do uh, nice holistic things or nutrients uh, or anything like that because that is a mechanical problem. It has turned to a mechanical problem that is keeping the infection alive and we need to remove that. That's still the approach of conventional of, of a more holistic approach. Uh, but uh, what I'm opposing is just to nuke the microbiome. So, and the other thing is, which most people uh, do not quite get right, unfortunately, is uh, we need to, to, to get rid of the dental plaque that sits around our teeth and the gums. And it has to be done mechanically with a toothbrush or something like that. And I will, if that's okay, in a minute also demonstrate how I think that should be done because even after all these years, I have to see still people not getting it right because nobody told them how to do that the right way. So that is still, of course, important because we need to remove the plaque from our teeth. The plaque builds... There's good plaque in the beginning stages, but the plaque can turn nasty when it gets thicker and thicker. So we eat sugar and then the bacteria that build up the, the biofilm, the plaque, and that is the stuff that needs to be removed because that contains bacteria that have gone pathogenic and they need to be removed mechanically, not chemically with mouthwash. So how do we rebalance the oral microbiome? So we need to eliminate products that destroy the microbiome, and that's chemical mouthwash and toothpaste. We need to consume foods that are alkalizing and anti-inflammatory and antioxidant rich. 
along with supporting supplements. Stress management, because stress is responsible for most of the ailments that we are uh, exposed to these days, and gum disease is one of them, and good oral hygiene. Let me just have a look. Uh, I'm, and of course, nutrients. So these are, I just uh, compiled the nutrients and the supplements that are excellent to support uh, gum disease and gum health. Of course, there's vitamin C because vitamin C helps with collagen production, uh, which is important to maintain the integrity of gums. And uh, so collagen is super important. Bone broth is important because the collagen, our teeth, they contain collagens. The whole, uh, the, 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 the glue, the collagen fibers that sit between the root of our teeth and the bone, that's collagen based. So we need the vitamin C to help with that. Also, it's an antioxidant that's very important. Vitamin D is essential for maintaining both health. Now, what's not listed is vitamin K2, uh, and they work synergistically because vitamin D uh, is important to build uh, the calcium into the bone. So it absorbs the, the calcium from the gut. And, but we also need the vitamin K2 to transport the calcium into the bones and teeth and into the connective tissue that holds, that makes the bone stronger so that we don't lose bone. Calcium, of course, and vitamin A. Uh, CoQ10 is uh, an important antioxidant. So that's also important to support gum health from the inside. Omega-3 fatty acids and probiotics. Zinc, of course, is involved in so many functions and wound healing and folic acid is important. And, but if we look also a little bit more holistically, we also, See, emotions have also a big impact on our overall health and on Can our we just health. Um, go back to the previous slide for a moment. Um, I, I'd just like to clarify, when you're putting calcium and vitamin A there, I'm assuming that you're suggesting that you eat your way to calcium and vitamin A rather than uh, taking a supplement. Yes. Of course, it would be wonderful if we can get all these vitamins from the food that we are eating. But, uh, and especially for vitamin uh, D and K2, that's the case. Of course, it would be wonderful, for example, for vitamin D to be received by the sunlight and then it can transfer in, uh, into our body, metabolized into vitamin D. Uh, now, I spoke in length with uh, Phoenix about that because some people are critical about supplementations of, of some sort of vitamins, like, for example, D. Uh, because if we supplement with D, for example, then the body is not willing to synthesize it itself. That's what, uh, what they claim, and it's suppressing that. But Phoenix seems to think and I agree with him that we are so depleted with vitamin D, for example, and vitamin K2, that it is, that's why we put it also into our tooth terrain, uh, because it's so elemental for, for dental health as well. And you are absolutely right, or I assume this is what you're pointing at, Clive, is that we need to get these 
these vitamins and uh, from from our food yeah but I, I, my point really was that while i agree that vitamin c vitamin d and k2 are very important to supplement with i personally don't advise people to supplement with calcium okay or vitamin a and i don't advise folic acid because obviously folic acid is the synthetic version of folate so i would go for a, a folate supplement rather than folic acid yeah look Clive, if you see this list i mean could you please elaborate on that a little bit more what do you think well with the yeah. calcium issue um it seems very clear to me that uh, whereas the press and medical doctors say you're low on calcium you haven't got enough calcium in your bones therefore you've got osteoporosis or whatever you need calcium i see it that you need vitamin d and vitamin k2 to as yeah. you mentioned to drive the calcium in you know i wouldn't recommend a calcium supplement equally i would be very wary of vitamin a in supplement form i would i would you know it depends if you're not a meat eater it becomes slightly more difficult but you know i like eggs and uh, liver and i get a lot i would rather get my vi vitamin a that way i mean folic acid if i look at a supplement that's let's say a, a multi b if i see folic acid as opposed to folate i wouldn't buy that one i'd buy the one that says folate yeah yeah i mean i understand that the issue with with calcium for example i think there was research out there that they gave uh women uh in the 50s or 60s who were starting to suffer from osteoporosis calcium supplements and what they found is that these women were uh, suffering from heart disease from uh, clogging up the arteries because it was just uh, the calcium was not going into the bones it was instead going into the soft tissue uh, including clogging up the arteries and therefore they suffered and that was from with uh, calcium supplements yeah so, yeah exactly yeah that's the problem yes okay well it's great thank you for that uh, I just wanted to mention one more thing and that is I mean if we really think about these things more holistically we need to talk also about uh, for example emotions that are are causing all uh, many many physical problems like for example anger is attacking the liver or worrying is uh, impeding the stomach function fear in the kidney if, if we have grief it settles on our lungs and 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 guilt in general is is having an effect on the whole immune responses and we know for example depression stress and anxiety there has been research done uh, that it actually uh, messes up the microbiome the oral microbiome and the microbiome overall so uh, and then they for for these uh, psychological problems like uh, anxiety depression they give medication that is even drying out the mouth and causing even more problems with the oral microbiome and more from a spiritual point of view uh, now the oral cavity and the facial structures and everything is somehow related to the chakra system yeah we've got this chakra system and then the throat chakra uh, is somehow representing communication and the expression of self and the core belief of us uh, if we think we are not worthy now 
if those are deeper issues, then there is also maybe uh, the, the, with some alternative health professionals, they, they think, well, the mouth can only really heal if we get these things uh, probably improving. Yeah, and then we have the power of the mind and that's represented by the placebo and the nocebo effect. And uh, I mean, many people, you're probably aware of Dr. Masaru Emoto's work with the his hidden message in water that our thoughts and intention can physically alter the molecular structure of water. Now we are, we are made out of water. Uh, most of us is water. So if we, uh, if we think about our thoughts, intentions, feelings, how they can impact uh, our health, our overall health, and therefore our, our oral health as well. So, yeah, well, that was that, Clive, that was my little presentation. <laughs> so, so um, let's talk about the tooth terrain. Are, are you saying that the tooth terrain is going to rebuild the microbiome in the mouth? Well, see, of course, we don't have uh, the, the research uh, like universities have to back that up. That we can say it has built up. But what Phoenix and I was, our intention was this. We put our heads together because we thought uh, this system of conventional dentistry of tackling tooth decay and mouth decay in, in the way uh, by attacking the, the bad guys with chemicals is not really bearing much fruit because decay rates and to, and, and gum disease are still on the rise with all the thumbs that they're throwing at it. And we were, uh, we were sticking our heads together to say, look, we need to find something that is more balancing for the oral microbiome, that is not attacking the oral microbiome. Because all the research, and I'm also talking about, I also need to, uh, we need to be cautious about the alternative products because they are also, if you go and get alternative mouth, mouthwash, they are based on essential oils, but they are based on a very, very strong concentration of, let's say, tea tree oil, peppermint oil, um, that are antimicrobial. There is research out there that is proving that. And this, but the research is coming from the paradigm, we need to kill the bacteria that are causing these problems. And instead of, uh, using bad chemicals, they use essential oils in strong concentrations, but they are basically doing the same as the chemicals in mouthwash. They are killing uh, indiscriminately and they are messing up the oral microbiome. And all the research, and it all sounds very great, all tea tree oil is helping gum disease because it's killing microorganisms, but indiscriminately, they're washing away all, uh, they're killing uh, of the microbiome indiscriminately. And we wanted to get away from that. And we wanted to also have a product that we can swallow. So all the ingredients that we were choosing were uh, food grade ingredients. And uh, Phoenix, he, he comes from a background of, he from spagyrics, traditional Chinese medicine, even going back to Taoist medicine, uh, and he, his knowledge led him to a combination of some very mild uh, 
essential oils in very low concentrations that have a particular synergy that they are supporting the microorganism and also supporting organ system from, from, uh, from the basis of traditional Chinese medicine. And we also put in, as I mentioned already, vitamin K2 and vitamin D because uh, that they internally also support bone growth and uh, we need the bone uh, and, and the, the teeth from the inside out because we, we've got immune cells within the teeth that protect the teeth from uh, carriers, for example. Inside the tooth are immune cells and they, they are craving these fat-soluble vitamins uh, so that they can act against dental decay. Weston A. Price, <clears throat> many people are familiar with Weston A. Price and his research. He actually, that was a hundred years ago. I mean, just a brief history of Weston A. Price. He went to different cultures, seven, uh, 14 different cultures around a hundred years ago. And he was looking for the secrets of healthy people. And he did that at a time when civilizations were just tipping from old cultures to new cultures. And within one family, often within one generation, some family members went to went with the old traditional diet and lifestyle. And some family members, they went to the city nearby and they, had, they ate the uh, food of commerce. That's what he called it, like jam, butter, uh, sorry, jam and wheat and bread and stuff like that. And their teeth and their health went downhill tremendously within one generation and they got tooth decay i mean the pictures he collected all the pictures uh, and it was uh, quite disheartening to see what happened in that short period of time their health tanked in no time just like for all the rest of the western world so the vitamin d's that we integrated d and k2 they support uh, the, the healthy bone, for example. And then he put together a mild combination of other, and it also, also works on our salivary glands. And maybe you have noticed yourself, if you use that product, what happens is uh, it has a very mild taste, but the combination of these uh, products, they cause the saliva to flow even long after we use the product. And uh, that saliva flow is very important for the health of our teeth because with no saliva we have we have problems with our teeth and saliva is somehow the the nurturing bed of our teeth it provides all the calcium and the phosphate and transports it to the teeth it provides the gums with oxygen and all these things are very important if we've got good and healthy saliva flowing and this product is doing it and it's a very mild combination, as I said. It's mild in flavor, too. Uh, see, we, we have been indoctrinated that everything has to be strong. And it's really difficult to get people away from, from the feeling that toothpaste and mouthwash has to be strong in order for them to work. See, I, I tell my clients, for example, well, I've been using uh, bicarb soda now for the last 10 years. I'm not using any, any toothpaste or mouthwash. And uh the the disbelief in their eyes when i say these things like well what don't you know uh, don't you use the fluoride and the minty flavor and don't you know? all these questions come up and i say no you don't need that 
that's actually detrimental to your health if you do that. Uh, bicarb soda, you don't have to do anything, but bicarb soda is a very nice uh, thing that you can use. Well, I just got a warning that I have to... Bicarb soda is one of the most wonderful materials out there for emergency medicine purposes to daily use. It's just incredible. Yes, exactly. I could ask you just to hold on for one second. Okay. So would you say that if somebody woke up one morning and they realize they've got a bit of pain, they think they've got a cavity, yes. using this a couple of times a day, do you think that that would give the environment of the mouth enough time to repair itself and regrow? Uh, I think, yes, that, that would be a wonderful thing. Uh, Clive, I'm very sorry now. My computer's given me a little bit of a warning sign that... Uh, I just have to look at something while this is happening because I hope they don't cut us off just like that. Well, I might have to change the computer if that happens. Sorry for that. I don't know what, what it's doing. So I think it's a, a now we have to also take into account, Clive, that uh, it's one way to tackle uh, an oral health uh, mouth that is great. And I, I have now if many patients trying to do this. I checked them, I checked their gum disease, and in a combination with good oral hygiene measures, uh, they their gums have improved tremendously just by using this product and doing the right thing at home with, with, uh, with the right brushing technique. As I said, the, the plaque that builds up needs to be removed so that it's not somehow reintroduced all the time. And I am very confident that we get these results that if we don't use the chemicals anymore, and if we use this natural product, that we can reestablish uh, a balanced micro, uh, microbiome. Yes. So th that's that's the good thing about this. And that, that it's, it's just a very mild, and uh, it has these mild flavors. Again, the saliva is also contributing to the, to the reestablishing of the oral microbiome. So, just imagine these are your teeth, yeah? Uh, the way to go about it, I highly recommend an electric toothbrush, but you don't need an electric toothbrush. So we need two things. Uh, if you've got an electric toothbrush, you can do it with a manual one, but when you open your mouth, you need to start with the very back tooth. So this is the very back tooth. Open the mouth really wide, and then you start with the very back tooth. And the, the center of the toothbrush follows the gum line. So I try to to do that right now. So here, and then follow the gum line all the way from tooth to tooth until we get to the very back tooth here, and we go behind the back tooth. And then we start again. So it's important to always start with, to have the system, yeah? It makes it so easy. And then you go, and my finger is the tongue. You have to squeeze it to the very back tooth from the inside. And you stay on the gum line. And what uh, the, the thing is that the toothbrush sits way deeper in the mouth on the tooth uh, than most people are doing it right. So again, you follow the gum line all the way here, 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 until you get to the back tooth here. And then you brush all the teeth from the outside and from the inside. 
And the third round would be the chewing surfaces. So now you brushed all your teeth from the outside, inside, and especially the gum line. So it doesn't make much sense. It doesn't make much sense to brush the teeth here, but most people get that wrong. They don't go high on the gum line. Again, the center of the toothbrush sits on the gum line, following the gum line. Now, the next thing is we need to brush between teeth because most we can brush all day long uh, on the outside, inside, and chewing surfaces, but most of the problem, problems, they start between teeth where the toothbrush doesn't go. Yeah, so between teeth. And these are relatively new uh, brushes. They are inter they're called interdental brushes, but they are made of silicon. And you can see they're a bit like a Christmas tree. So they are tapered. There are the other ones that have a wire, they are built like a bottle brush, but these are much better. So they go between teeth and you start again with the very back tooth. Yeah, and you go, you go inside, outside, and then you go from tooth to tooth and you do that, or you use dental floss. But once you've got gum disease, you have lost a little bit of bone between teeth and then the dental floss is not good enough anymore. Then you need something that fills out the space completely. So that's uh, what you require there. And that, so it's a, a more about mechanically brushing and removing the dental plaque than uh, chemically. Now I elaborated on that a lot. So it, it needs to be removed uh, mechanically. Now, one thing is if you've got a little bit of gum disease, bleeding will start as soon as you do this, as you brush or do this. Ignore the bleeding because the bleeding is related to the plaque that sits between teeth. It's somehow causing the gum inflammation and then it starts to bleed. Now, you, once you get rid of the plaque, then the gums, they heal and within it, hopefully, hopefully, if it's bad gum disease, it might be a problem. But in most cases, the bleeding will stop if you continuously do that for a couple of days in a row. So you do that. It starts to bleed. It might look a little bit scary. Ignore the bleeding. Keep going. That's very important because you will notice it will get better from day to day. Yep. So important stuff. Gum line, gum line, gum line. And in between teeth with these little brushes, they are excellent. Now, when you say the gum line, are you saying that like half the head of the toothbrush of the electric toothbrush is actually on the gum? and half of it is on the tooth. Exactly, that's what I'm saying, half and half. So the toothbrush sits half, half on the tooth and half on the gum line. And the critical area to brush is the gum line because the gum line builds this natural kind of niche. Yeah, there's a niche, a little bit of a step there. And that's where the plaque accumulates. Plaque doesn't sit on the, on the soft surface here. You can brush here, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, you will never get a hole here, but you get a hole, uh, you get gum disease if the plaque somehow settles here on the gums. That's why the toothbrush needs to sit half and half. So again, half and half. Right, very good. And the, this uh, electric toothbrush, this is the most basic one that you can get. Uh, you can get fancy ones, but they are doing all the same things. So uh, you don't have to do it pay hundreds of pounds for that. You can get a basic one, it's doing the trick. And they are very reliable little machine. It's much easier to do it, 
much better results. That's what I noticed with the electric one than, than doing it manually. Okay. And um, have you looked at the research that they're doing with the oral peptides? No, you need to enlighten me. Um, well, the Japanese are working with peptides and supposedly getting quite good results regrowing teeth where they've previously been damaged by dentistry, for example. And uh, I'm using an oral peptide at the moment. Um, um, I'm, I'm doing a few things for my teeth. I have been using um, a specifically designed probiotic for the mouth. Yes. Um, but recently, I brought out a new product. I haven't got it in front of me, actually, called Panaceum which is um, a group of oligosaccharides. And the idea of the oligosaccharides is that rather than putting probiotics in from outside sources, like from yogurt or something, that you're actually feeding the oligosaccharides to the body and the microbiome thrives on oligosaccharides. So rather than putting more probiotics in you're actually uh, triggering your own probiotics you know given from your mother and so on uh to re regrow mm -hmm. so I've, I've made a couple of videos about it i could send you yes please and the regrowing teeth uh i've heard of it now uh that that's fascinating stuff the thing is uh I, I I don't think it will be readily available and see there needs to be a tooth germ for them to, to grow into the bone. I think that it should be working like that. Or the, how, what, what's the principle of it working? Do, do you know that? Well, um, I spoke to a dentist who's now retired called Brian Halverson. I don't know if you've heard of Brian. Um, and I need to interview him some more about what they're doing in Japan. But people are telling me that because the Japanese are so advanced in many areas that people are using uh, translation programs and searching right on Japanese language websites with a translation program because the Japanese research isn't translated normally. So they're, you know, I used to work with the Japanese in the 1980s um with um ophthalmic instruments and uh later with other things but i noticed that they were at least 20 years ahead in some of their technology wow. yeah. um, it was just incredible and they, they weren't willing to let it out okay. you know, they, they didn't want to that's interesting yeah. yeah the thing is you know we have we have uh with regrowing teeth, I mean, you need the foundation. Sometimes it's like if we lose teeth, for example, it's often because of, um, of, of bone loss, for example, due to severe gum disease. And then w my question is, and I have to get my head around it because I, I'm not quite sure how the principle of that is, how it works, because if there's no foundation where the old tooth was able to settle. I, 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 think, I think the tooth, the, the old tooth has to still be there. Um, yeah, I don't think they've mastered it from nothing. Yes. Okay. Well, that's 
Yeah, well, I, if you have any information about that, Clark, I would be interested to. to yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll send you what I have. Send you the stuff about the peptides as well. Yeah, wonderful. So, I mean, it's so important. I mean, the work you're doing is very important, and clearly, so much of all the illness that I see, all the lack of health, is caused by dentists in the first place. Mm. Yes. Uh, well, uh, I, I mean, dentists, they often have a bad reputation. But the thing is, with dentists often is they are also just one cock in the cockwheel of the whole system, you know, and sometimes it's a little bit, I find the attacks are sometimes a little bit not quite fair. There are ob obviously many, many dentists, like in all professions, in all walks of life, you get people who are not doing the right thing and they have a lack of integrity. And from that basis on, they do things that they shouldn't be doing. On the other hand, see, as a dentist, when I, when I studied in the 80s in Germany, it was like I was more educated and my education was more around being a mechanic more than anything in a biological system, uh, respecting the biological basics of what was going on, but basically uh, it was more mechanic and that's that's what dentists know and that's uh, uh, it hasn't it is changing definitely uh, but see with dental problems it starts earlier than dentist i if i can give an analogy a little bit it's like if you have a car yeah you buy a new car for example uh, the car either it's a very good 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 quality car good materials good steel good plastics, whatever, uh, rubber, the cars made of good oil and stuff like that. And then that's the starting point. But the, uh, but then it can deter, either you buy a lemon that is poorly produced and the get-go is very poor quality. And uh, like if, if a child, for example, as the analogy grows up with very poor nutrition and the mother is sick, during pregnancy, it doesn't get the right nutrients. The building blocks are poor. Uh, the building blocks, the facial growth is poor. The nasal structures are poor. There's mouth breathing happening. And from then on in, it goes downhill. And the dental health is just one part of it going downhill and the suffering. And then later, coming back to the car, so you, the car's poor car built poorly, driven with poor oil and a bad driver or whatever. And then the mechanic comes in after 50,000 miles. And then the dentist comes in after six years and he has to deal with what's there. So the dentist is not really involved from the get-go because he's not really equipped. He doesn't know. Uh, it's more whose responsibility is it to have a child growing up in the first instances of life with mouth breathing, with... Uh, breastfeeding with good nutrition from the get-go. Uh, that's where the starting point of poor dental health is. And then, as I said, the dentist comes in after six years and the mouth is full of decays. And then all he knows is how to fix it somehow mechanically. Uh, I know that's not good enough, Clive. I understand that. 
but uh, the the dentist is not really responsible from from the from the get-go where most of the damage is happening so well, yes I, I quite agree with you what I was actually referring to is almost every week somebody comes to me and says my teeth were perfect then I went to a dentist and you removed eight of them yeah, uh, and you know yeah clearly just like doctors they should be paid by how well you are um well, that is keeping you super healthy rather than making money by removing bits of you yes, I, yeah, yeah that would be a good model i think the chinese or the old chinese not not these days but they worked on that model didn't they well exactly the family paid you but if one person in the family got ill they the whole family stopped paying you sounds like a great method to me yeah that's a good method yeah but the whole i mean look it's such a wonderful uh, it's such an evil wonderful business model and the whole medical system is operating on that you know like i mean uh, where do where did they start i think 150 years ago that was a little bit of a different approach but i mean we know about the rockefellers and stuff like that and how they introduced this money generating system that thrives on us getting sicker and sicker you know uh, yes well hopefully more and more people are waking up to to that and realizing that we are self-repairing yeah even yeah. though we may have been told it's not possible um yes. it is increasingly being proven that actually we can self-repair pretty much every part of us yes that's amazing i mean the research is coming out that we can repair even even the brain even structures the liver i think you can cut out 90 percent of the liver and it can regrow i mean that's amazing now, incredibly quickly like three months and it's back that's amazing now there's but there's a, it i have to say that dentistry unfortunately is a little bit different when it comes to progress uh disease progression the problem is if you have a tooth let's say this is the tooth and suddenly you have a crown on top uh, the only reason why you have a crown on top is because maybe the tooth was decayed and they had to or the dentist had to cut away tremendous amount of tooth structure to put the crown on now this cannot regrow you know this is this this or if you have let's say bypass operation or or a knee replacement yeah there are limitations but if an organ or whatever is untouched then yeah that's amazing it can heal itself under the right circumstances given the right environment you know that's Tremendous, tremendous. years ago somebody i knew he was born with a twisted foot and he could never run like the other kids and age 40 he decided he was going to buy some anatomy books and he was going to physically and mentally manipulate his foot straight it took him four months but you know he began to understand the musculature and the way the, the bones were and over four months he manipulated and thought his foot straight that's just amazing that's just amazing i had a when i worked in tasmania i had a patient who had severe uh, parkinson i mean he was a mess and uh, he learned uh, to work with his hand so he was carving wood kind of wood figures like uh, chess figures that size and it was a skill that he was hardly able to do. 
but he had such a strong willpower and he just so wanted to become healthy. And, and in the meantime, I removed all his amalgam filling safely so that he did, was not uh, intoxicated by any mercury or whatever. And he, he, it was just so beautiful to see uh, that he was then capable to be, he looked absolutely normal and you couldn't see any traces of uh, Parkinson anymore. You know, so there's a combination, get rid of the toxins and the power of his mind was, and, and of course, discipline, 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 because it was a struggle for him to even hold the, the tool and the block of wood to begin with. And then he was in the end, um, uh, uh, achieved the amazing ability to make these intricate kind of figures out of it. So that was, so all his neural pathways were just reconnecting again or whatever happened in his brain that he was capable to do that. Well, fantastic. We are wonderful, incredible beings. So with the tooth terrain, we'll, we're going to put that on our website so people will be able to purchase that. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Thank you. Hopefully everybody will go for it. I think it's brilliant. Okay. It's not often I rave about. Yes, but... we are also very happy. And and as I said, both Phoenix and I and Laura, we had a really good cooperation. We mingled around with some uh, different ingredients and stuff like that. And finally, after a long, long time, we ended up with this product. And it's wonderful. And oh. yeah, so there you go. And thank you for taking on that product. And I hope, I hope your audience will like it. I'm sure they will. Okay. Thank you so much, Doug. Well, thank you, Clive, for having me.